Hey, Meta fans, just a quick announcement that the show you're about to hear definitely isn't Minna fandom. Visionless Dave kindly invited me on his show, Minna Handom. So um, he's allowing me to re- release this on my podcast feed as well. So thank you very much, Visionless Dave. Minna Fandom will be back very soon. I've scheduled in a recording with Red, so I, I hope he makes the time. But yeah, enjoy Minna Handom. It's a little bit different to Minna Fandom. But yeah, if you don't like Visionless Dave, just skip this one. Minna Fandom will be back very soon. I will not go. Down under the ground Cause somebody tells me that death's coming round Then I will not carry myself down to die When I go to my grave my head will be high Let me die in my footsteps Before I go down under the ground There's been rumors of war and wars that have been The meaning of life has been lost in the wind And some people thinking that the end is close by Instead of learning to live they are learning to die Let me die in my footsteps Before I go down under the ground I don't know if I'm smart But I think I can see When someone is pulling the wool over me And if this war comes And death's all around Let me die on this land Before I die underground Let me die in my footsteps Before I go down under the ground There's always been people that have to cause fear They've been talking about a war now for many long years I've read all their statements and I've not said a word But now, Lord God, let my poor voice be heard Let me die in my footsteps Before I go down under the ground Let me drink from the waters where the mountain streams flood Let the smell of wild flowers flow free through my blood Let me sleep in your meadows with the green grassy leaves Let me walk down the highway with my brother in peace Let me die in my footsteps Before I go down under the ground Go out in your country where the land meets the sun See the craters and the canyons and where the waterfalls run Nevada, New Mexico, Arizona, Idaho Let every state in this union seep deep down in your soul And you'll die in your footsteps Before you go down under the ground
Mm. It just does not get any better than a little Bob Dylan. That's the song of the day, folks. Let Me Die in My Footsteps by Bob Dylan. Written sometime in around 1962, I believe. I want to specifically focus on one part of that song before I bring in my guest and get to the topics of the show, because it will be a reoccurring theme in this episode, which is season one, episode one of Minahandum. You know, I noticed the KMS universe, the Kirk Minahan network, was devoid of any real wrap-up shows. I got my guys at Kirk and Off. They're more guest-based, you know. They do kind of interviews of Minifans. That's not really where I'm going with this one. Um, But quickly, let's reflect on the last stanza of that beautiful piece by Bob Dylan, because it will reappear later in this episode. Go out in the country where the land meets the sun. See the craters and the canyons where the waterfalls run. Nevada, New Mexico, Arizona, Idaho. Let every state in this union seep deep down in your soul. Thank you. So I'll give you a general layout of the show. But before I do that, I would like to bring on my guest and my guest producer for this episode of the show. Um, We've worked together a lot in the past. You may remember Gathering of the Goats. Um, You may remember me as the executive producer of Menors to Midnight. Um, I've kind of helped guide Mad Menors along in his career, both new and old Menors. So without any further ado, I'd like to welcome Menors. Please join us. Dave! How are you, Menors? Doing really well. Thanks for having me on Minifandom. You failed to mention Minifandom, the other wrap-up show. Well, it's not really a wrap-up show. Red and I do our own show. It's more a, a thought experiment, kind of a an influencer show. Um, but You're thanks doing for a show? Me on Minifandom. You should release it if you if you do. Oh, he's frozen. You're a bit frozen, but if you do a show, you should be putting it out there for the people. Are you releasing them? Absolutely. I get your notes after every episode. Are they available on the Kirk Minahan network? Some are, but I've decided to sort of go solo. Um, you know, the network's bad for my brand at the moment uh, and it's not worth the trouble. So yeah, I'm, I'm just cutting my own path now. Well, I'm happy to hear you. I'm happy to have you here. Um, we'll get more into that later in the show. Um, but just for our listeners, I'll give you a general layout of kind of some of the topics we'll cover. Um, we obviously just had the quote of the day, which will be a reoccurring theme of this show. Also, I will be playing full songs in the intro. And if you 30 seconds skip through them, then I will judge you. Um, we'll talk about this massive ticket controversy we have on our hands. I know you've been on the beat. I've been on the beat doing research. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the KMS tour the Midwest slash Western Southwest tour that seems to be being planned. Um, We'll we'll get to any gripes we have with the show. And then more importantly, we will talk about is a 12 inch sub considered a light lunch? Because (laughs) I've seen a lot of uh, banter around that topic. And then we'll end with some recommendations or some reckies, you know, Um, before we get to that. Also, go ahead, go ahead. Listen, listeners submitted questions. So at the end, I think we should answer them. Um, yeah, there's a few questions from from the yeah. listeners. I know your friend Tony Katz has written one. Andy Mayo has asked for a breakdown of said sub. 
and Ted Sarandis is throwing some curly questions at us. So, yeah, lots to look. We will not to be for fielding. Listeners. We will not be fielding questions from Ted Sarandis, but we will field the others. Um, before we get started, I do have a presenting sponsor. Episode one, season one, um, kind of a big deal to sell a show before it even exists. Um, so without further ado, this podcast is brought to you by the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, he's the original sponsor of me, uh, Visionless Dave the Second. So we're going to both take a moment together. We're going to step inside the Lord. So please repeat after me, Menners. God. I will not be repeating anything. You, this is an ad. You have to do the ad deal. It's just, just repeat after me. Right, God. God, 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 or Santa Claus. Yeah. Grant me the serenity. Grant me the serenity. To accept the things I cannot change. Uh, to accept the things I cannot change. I remember this from school. The, the courage to change the things I can. The courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. And the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. 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 Great. So let's dive right into it. We have a massive controversy on our hands with this ticket release. Um, there's a lot of angles to it. But before I get into it, I do want to make it clear that I do not want Dave fired. Although I think it would be a reasonable response to what's gone on. Um, I don't have malicious intent in my criticisms of him. I'm strictly a journalist in search of the truth. And, you know, I'm a big fan of accountability. I don't think they're not making any more of it accountability. So we really need to cherish the amount we have. Um, I'll kind of let you take the lead on this. Just give me your general thoughts on it. And is Dave Cullinane, did he really step in it with this? Well, firstly, I mean, there's no questioning your journalistic credentials, even on the latest Kirk Minahan show. I'm not sure if you still listen um, during football season, but he he said that you're one of the best journalists in America. So, um, yeah, like Kirk supports your journalistic endeavours. Um, well, I guess that where to start is, I mean, Dave dumbly admitted live on air, I think on Wednesday's show, that he gave people the link beforehand and he thought he could magically trust these Minna fans not to pass it on to all their friends. The dumbest thing I have ever heard. So I want to focus right on that part right there, because obviously it's stupid to trust people with privileged information in this bizarre Twitter universe we are trapped in. But it's not only I believe on the show he said that tickets were available to them 10 minutes before, like he put it up 10 minutes early and emailed them the link. So he must have told them, the contest winners in advance, I'll be emailing you a link so you can get the tickets early. You know, like they're going to go on sale at 10, but I'll email it you. I'll email it to you early. So he might have done that days before he sent the link. So these are guys that know, oh, I'm getting the link early. They're gossiping about it. I've seen several screenshots of tickets that were bought at 9.46 a.m almost 15 minutes before the on-sale time. There is such an easier solution to getting those guys into the show. You just, you sell 48 tickets and you have a guest list. It's very simple. Um, so I would like to officially FOIA request the barstool, the back end of the barstool ticket sales because it'll say the exact time every ticket was bought 
And I'd like to see how many tickets were bought before 10 o'clock. And I don't think Dave had any malicious intent with this. Um, I don't, I'm not convinced he was trying to get his guys to link early. I think it's just purely a moment of idiocy from Dave Cullinane. Your thoughts? I mean, there's no question about another moment of idiocy from Dave Cullinane, but I I also think uh, he probably dropped the link into a couple of his, you know, private little group chats just before it went live. I mean, you think if, I don't think it's restricted just to those, um, you know, few contest winners. I think, you know, obviously he plays favourites and this is another example. And and the thing is, it's just so stupid to, to admit that. I mean, even if he thinks to himself, like, oh, I might not explicitly give the link to these people, but if I give it to enough of the the right people, he knew it would it would get passed on um, into these group chats. So, yeah, I, I think it's another swing and a miss from Dave. You know who I feel bad for is, you know, the poor guy who was in his office. Tickets were going on sale at 10. He needed to make sure I don't have a meeting then. I don't have a call then. He might have lied to push something back or he might have, you know, rushed out of a 930 meeting right up before 10 o'clock and thought, you know, I have a few minutes to get to the site and try to get my tickets. And then, you know, by the time he gets there, half of them are gone because there's been this privileged information and this private link that has made it the rounds. and. I'm not going to go as far as to assume that he gave it to his guys, although I can't remember where I heard it, but I did hear somebody mention that they got two tickets and that Cullinane sent them the link. I don't remember where I heard it, but I definitely heard that somewhere. And so I, I think, do you think um, this whole situation would have been treated the same if Steve was in charge? As far as at, Steve, this never would have happened with Steve. And I would have liked to see Cullinane try to run a, a raffle like the VFW. But if Steve got caught doing the same thing, the phone lines would be jammed with people saying he should be fired. It would be a huge issue. But, you know, maybe for better or for worse, Cullinane just he doesn't seem to get that same kind of um, aggression from the listeners. Yeah, look, I, I think, um, well, firstly, I, I think the real issue here is as well that, you know, Kirk, you know, he advertises these small exclusive events. He tries to make them so you're desperate to get a ticket. The whole thing about Magnolia was it's going to be a small limited group of, you know, 50 diehard Minifans that scored a ticket and the tickets go on sale this time. And then when the tickets go on sale, likely out of the 50 tickets, probably only 15 or 20 were actually there to be bought. If that, maybe less, maybe by actually 10 o'clock, most of them were gone. So there was no one had a chance. It's just a real kick in the teeth to Minifans that want to support Kirk. Uh, do, look, I think there's an element now with Dave where I think the expectations are so low and, you know, the 29K and all these things. I mean, we're, we're, it's pretty clear how inept he is. So I think the fact that he was able to sell tickets is an achievement for someone as um, – you know, mentally backward as he is. So, yeah, but you're right. It would have been a controversy with Steve, but I kind of think now Minifans have actually stopped caring because they've been treated so badly so many times. You look at the Benghazi, um, you know, video um, at the soccer. You look at all the other instances where things haven't 
been delivered that were promised. A lot of them, Steve issues, Kirk issues. California um, live show. Guarantee. Exactly. You know, the yeah. Minahan guarantee means fuck all. So I think people now just don't give a shit. So, you know, if you set your expectations so low, um, it's hard to get disappointed. One thing I, I has sort of been swimming around in my head over the last week is I think we're actually, I'm actually giving Kirk Minahan a bit of a, an easy ride lately. And I'm not actually pinning him with enough responsibility for what people under him does. And, and you know, it's just, you just can't, I just can't keep making excuses for Kirk because I like him on air. But the fact is he allows people he employs to treat the fans badly. You've always said he's a bad leader. I mean, that's, that's nothing new. Um, he's a shocking leader. Shocking leaders, shocking bots. Uh, he, he, you know, what I find ironic is he fucking spent his whole time at EI complaining about program directing the management. Fucking Kirk couldn't run a fucking takeaway store on the corner. He's so disorganized and so inept. I mean, you know, he, he doesn't ever really make the right decisions. You know, he brings on Harris. You know, you hear him complaining about Harris and not editing interviews in the last few days. Never edited a fucking interview for any podcast. What do you expect, Kirk? You know, you give Cullinane responsibilities that he can't handle. What do you expect? So I think Kirk at some point's got to shoulder the blame for a lot of these fuck ups. The Bucks got to stop somewhere. The Bucks got to stop somewhere. Do, do you think, because I kind of get a sense of, is Cullinane a little comfortable right now? Like he had a kind of early rocky stages where. Kirk was kind of on his ass. Um, every he was kind of hyper aware of what's going on, and then it's it's kind of drifted into this place, which may be more healthy, but where oh, Dave's not doing a wrap up show, and it's no big deal. Oh, you know he can't book guests. You know I was gonna mention this in my gripes later, but this whole Fred Couples booking saga, I think, is a microcosm of what is wrong with Dave right now. He's he doesn't have that same hustle or hunger that he once had where all he needed was, you know, a chance. He needed a foot in the door and he was going to, you know, get the five million dollar deals. And he, he didn't even know the date of the tournament that he's about to play in. Um, and he even actually said at one point, there's nothing else I can do, which is never the answer. Um, he needs to stop playing by the rules. And if he knows he can't get it done, there's no point in incessantly emailing people because you're instantly just going to turn them off. He needs to let Kirk handle it. He, he's afraid to ask for help, which is a, a major problem. And I, I just, you know, what I really respected about Steve was even a year into the show, and he verbalized this a couple of times, he said he always had this anxiety that he missed some sound or that something was going to go wrong. And he really took pride in those little details. And I just think that's a little bit lacking right now. And, and, you know, as you suggest, maybe that's on it's Kirk's responsibility to hold him accountable, but um, get fiasco has really been bothering me. Yeah. The way where I am with Dave right at the moment is um, I feel like a disappointed father. Like I, I'm not angry anymore at him and, and I'm right. not, sort of um 
you know, different feelings towards Steve because you know, Steve was a bit of a snake and he actually did things to come after me on a professional, personal and professional level. But um, that aside, now I'm just at the point with Dave where it's like, um, you know, there's this, you just see this sort of dumb little kid running around in circles in the playground. And, you know, that's little Dave Cullinane. You know, he runs around in the studio in circles. Uh, he doesn't do much. He he pretends to be some super great producer with all these ideas, but when you peel them back, there's actually nothing there. And I think now uh, we're enough into him having the job to realise that he was just full of shit. Like he was happy to be on the sideline uh, working for Jerry and pretending that he was some you know great producer waiting in the wings to be with Kirk. But since he's taken over, the results have been... Um, very disappointing. And uh, we've heard whispers of Kirk wondering, like, where are the interns? Why is there nothing on the network? Um, so I, I think Kirk feels that. Um, just a great disappointment. One of the, the biggest disappointments in my life so far is Dave Cullinane. We did hear this week on the show, Kirk mentioned he had a kind of a lengthy conversation with Steve and you could hear a, a tinge of romanticism in his voice. Let's play hypothetical here. Let's say Steve told Kirk, I want to come back. I want to produce the show. I, I don't need as much money. You know, I could take less money. I've, I've traveled. I want to settle down. It's only three days a week now. It's a lot easier. What happens in that scenario? Uh, Kirk does exactly what he does in these situations. He'd just push Cullinane out. He wouldn't fire him, but he'd make his life miserable like he did. He'd make uh, him Mike. quit. Yeah, he'd make him quit. That's Kirk's excellent yeah. at doing that. Um, so I think that's what he'd do. He, he, and look, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe there was that little inkling from Steve when they spoke and, you know, all of a sudden there was this Fred Couples deadline. You know, Kirk puts that out there. You don't get Fred Couples, you're fired. I mean, maybe that's the first step in just opening the door for a, a Robinson turn. It's It's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, we can move along now to kind of this new tour idea that has blossomed and really looks like it grew some roots today with the call regarding Wink, Texas. What are your early mm. thoughts on that? Is, is it too remote? Is that too remote, too small of a town? Uh, just uh, just one more thing on Steve and Dave. Um, I, I don't want to try and I don't want to say I'm some like Steve apologist and I want him back, but I guess it's a bit about expectations and the way they're satisfied. I expected a lot from Dave and he's been so disappointing that if Steve come back, at least I know, okay, the guy's a prick. He's not going to do anything for the network or the Minna fans, but at least he'll probably do a, a good show. And the, the, the things like live shows and stuff will be organized much better. So that's where I'm with them. A lot about, you know, I think, you know, if you set, yeah, I just put too much faith in Dave. It's my fault. I should have just realized so, Kirk's right. He's a bumbling idiot. So before we even get to Wink, Texas, does Dave have the capability to book a, what is it, grown to a six or seven state tour potentially? Does he have the capability to book that travel, get everything out there? Will his wife even let him leave for a week? Because I kind of got the sense when it was originally brought up, he said, oh, maybe I'll bring my family because... I don't think he wants to tell the wife that he's going away for a week uh, and leaving her with the kids. But do you think he has the capability to book that tour? Yeah, but I think you just have to build in a ratio of fuck up. So seven shows, you know, okay, probably five will only be um, happening because two 
won't happen due to something on the day. Uh, yeah, so you probably just got to build into it the fuck ups, you know. Uh, you know, you probably won't get audio for half the shows. Um, there'll be nothing, you know, half the shows won't be any good because they'll put no thought into it like they did last summer. Um, so, yeah, I think if you just sort of build that into the tour, uh, that would be good. Um, with Dave Cullinane, I actually, um, you know, really think that I'd like to be the touring producer. Uh, I think this would be perfect for Manners to um, finally um, help Kirk with something. It's a limited time. You know, I just go on the road with him for a couple of weeks, leave Australia. It's not a, a long-term commitment. And Dave can stay stay at home with Kathy and um, whatever they can drink piss together and get drunk on the couch. And, um, you know, Kirk and I can have a flawless tour. I would like to imagine for that kind of tour, he would have to call in the big dogs, you know, call in the real professionals uh, mm. to get it done. But did I don't know if you caught this, but did you, when they were talking about uh, how small the Roy Orbison Museum was, Dave had the idea to get another location where they could live stream the show so more people could watch. So his idea was that people would pay $75 for a ticket to go to rural Texas to watch a live stream of the show in a different room, which I thought was very interesting. I I'm hyper aware to things that he says that Steve would get killed for because I just have PTSD for how Robba fans and Steve Robinson was treated in this universe. And it's kind of baked into me at this point. But um, do you think wink Texas is too remote? I actually don't know how remote it is. I haven't had a look on a map, but oh, it's I like Texas remote. and that's good. I was just actually looking last night, you know, um, I want to fly into Dallas cause you can fly direct Sydney to Dallas. Um, so I could fly into Dallas and from there, um, uh, you know, hit, hit, hit up the Midwest tour, uh, you know, me and Kirk drive around doing the shows for a week. Uh, and then maybe I fly up to Boston, um, do a couple of shows in studio, meet some Minna fans. And that, that's my summer trip. Suck on some titties. No comment. <laughs> so it started as a Midwest tour, but it sounds to me like it's kind of developing into more of a Southwestern tour with the mentions of Texas. And I think um, Colorado was mentioned. And this is where we revisit the intro song, the quote of the day. In that song, Bob Dylan suggests that you need to get out to Nevada, New Mexico, Arizona, and Idaho which I think would be four great locations for live shows. The real America, um, the frontiers of America, old real Americans, real red-blooded American states, really rural, and uh, probably places you really wouldn't go otherwise, other than Arizona. People go there a good amount. And I guess Vegas is in Nevada, but New Mexico and Idaho, don't, they don't really have anything going on. So I think I'd that would be great. That. He could tack on the Colorado and California live show. He could redeem the Minahan guarantee, get some credibility back. And I don't know, that, that seems like a good plan to me. I agree. I think it's a great idea. Um, I would love to do the Midwest tour. Uh, he, he just seems very reticent to go out to California. What does reticent mean? Just doesn't seem keen anymore. Like he just doesn't seem like he wants yeah. to do it. It seems... Like he's over it. He's maybe, dodging it. Maybe, he's dodging it. Yeah. Where in I think California? He has, well, that's that's so, the thing. Because he said he likes San Diego. And I know mm -hmm. that's 
not a tiny place, but it's it's not LA, it's not San Francisco. You can fly straight there. Uh, beautiful hotels for Kirk to stay at. Um, so yeah, I think San there's Diego real, would be a great venue. There's some real nice, like rural towns, old school mining towns outside San Diego that I think would be cool. So you you know, it's it's an hour outside of San Diego, maybe two hours outside of San Diego, but you know, you could still fly in there and stuff. There does seem a bit to be a bit of hesitancy with the California live show. I think maybe there's a degree of shame involved with him knowing that the Minahan guarantee has just gone out the window. So he he's maybe burying that rather than addressing it. Um, but yeah, there. I don't know. I don't know what the issue is. Either do I, but um, I'm all in for this sort of August um, tour of the Midwest, the South, whatever. Um, I think, you know, finally, manners to KMS is going to happen. God willing. Thanks. Hopefully Santa Claus will help. Hey, whatever your, uh, whatever your higher power is, that's your choice, <laughs> brother. Um, so what is the current status of your relationship with double A T N M? At a theater near me, it's really good. I'm not listening anymore. I actually li- I listened to the Tim Ridgels episode because I liked him, and I, and I liked Min- like I like it was I liked him and Chris, so that was fine. Uh, no, none of it goes in. None of it's that interesting. Uh, I, I sort of just gave up because I'm a bit like Dave. I'm just like Chris, you know. Is a bit like Kirk. It's it's not so bad. You can shit on it um, anymore. It's just kind of like this average thing, and it's so disappointing that you know. Chris's imagination is so limited to just him in a room reflecting on going to the movies. I know people think I'm a think I'm a know-it-all or whatever, but I just think you saw in my one little taste where you do it live on the spot how much more he could get out of that show. And it frustrates me as a podcast producer. I just think you should be doing better. So I've stopped listening because I like Chris and I don't want to hate him. That's probably a healthy decision for you. You know, I'm not a movie guy, so I'd never listen to it, but I do like Chris and I have given him, I think I'm a victim of ageism because I've given him quite a few good ideas, especially, you know, he was in my hometown where I grew up for 20 years and, uh, you know, I'm telling him, oh, go to this theater, not that one. Oh, you know, there's a famous chili dog place here. You can go there. The train stops right here. And he's kind of just disregarded me. So I think I'm a victim of ageism. And I think that's just a fundamental foundational problem of the project is he's a, it's a little bit too much about him. The podcast shouldn't be about him. He should just do what we want him to. Yeah. It's just boring. I mean, that's the yeah. problem for me. It's just boring. Like it's, it's just like him talking about candies and going to the movies. And I liked Tim because I like Tim, but yeah, I just, I, I don't miss it. Um, and I, I mean, I'm glad it's doing well. I'm glad a lot of jokes are being made about it and stuff. But, you know, Chris is kidding himself. He thinks Big Cat's actually listening to any of the episodes anymore. I mean, he hears Kirk talking about Concessions Month and that's why he talks about it. I mean, uh, yeah, he says the listens are going up, but that can't be right. In six weeks' time, is AATNM even getting mentioned on the main show? Or is it just a thing of the past? I think it'll be a thing of the past, and I wouldn't be surprised if Chris is a thing of the past on the show. Um, wow. You can just see slowly Kirk starting to get annoyed at him. and um, Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a few changes uh, in the next couple of months. 
Okay. Do you think there's something he could do to kind of uh, give himself a more permanent status? Does he need a new shtick instead of a bringing a game? Does he need some new little bit or thing he can bring to the show? Is the game run its course? <laughs> I think the game has certainly run its course. Uh, I think maybe Kirk's got all he can out of Chris now. Maybe sort of the well's empty, a bit like it was with Carabas after two episodes. It's taken Chris a lot longer to get there, but um, maybe it's just run a bit dry, um, especially now that Quantum Week's gone and Carano's gone. There's there's not that sort of other drama that well, Kirk can play to. We ultimately know that um, Kirk's goal with bringing Chris on the show was to slowly strangle the life out of Quantum Week and ruin uh, Chris and um, Carano's relationship, and he's accomplished that. So now it's like, you know, the cat with the dead rat just whacking it, wishing it was still alive. There's no life left in that. So I, I like Chris on the show. I think he does okay, but I always love new voices on the show. I'm not saying he should be off forever. I, I like hearing from him and him and Kirk, even some of the stuff they talk about isn't, I'm not a movie guy. I'm not a baseball guy. So that's not even in my wheelhouse, but it's, he's a decent listen. I'll give him a decent mm, oh, listen. Oh yeah. The shows have been fine. Yeah. What, what about um, just, just, just to sort of just off topic, but what do you think of Kirk taking Harry to the latest Jackass movie? Oh, I think that's a great, great move. Great move. I agree. Cause he'll never are, forget that. Those are core memories. It's important to build core memories um, in life and any of them that you can build with any other person, let alone your child. That's a good core memory. You know, you got to be the cool dad. Mm. I remember my grandfather took me to this sort of pseudo erotic French film called Manon de Source and had this, you know, beautiful French girl with her titties out and everything. And I was like this, you know, um, just hitting puberty and uh, never forgot that, you know, it was a real bonding experience between me and my grandfather ogling these tits together. So anyway, you know, Kirk and Harry, that's got what it's all about. Together. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Um, all right. I guess we can move, uh, unless you have anything more on Chris, we can move on to gripes. No, let's go on to gripes. Okay. Gripes. See what are my gripes? I mean, you you mentioned this in the listener questions, so we can kind of combine this section. But I want to weigh in on the debate: Is a twelve-inch sub a light lunch? Now, I'm gonna give you a chance to make your case before I actually make a ruling. So go ahead, plead your case. Uh, well, I'll tell you what was on the sub. So it was a foot-long turkey. On a malted rye, toasted, no cheese, with lettuce, capsicum, onion, carrots, honey mustard dressing, salt and pepper. So I, I think that's on the lighter side. I, I, I honestly didn't eat the whole foot-long sub. I had sort of about – see, the, I, my gripe with Subway is the six inches is not quite enough and the foot-long is a bit too much. What You, you need sort of a in-between. Um, so, yeah, I sort of ate – yeah, and it eight, an eight inch. Yeah, an eight inch. Eight inches uh, is the perfect size. Yeah. Mm, um, what the carrots on a sandwich. I've I've never. British people eat some pretty weird food. I don't even think they put carrots on a sandwich. Yep, carrots, uh, shredded carrots on an Aussie sandwich uh, is popular. So yeah, what do you think? Do you think that's a light lunch or not? 
I don't think it's a heavy lunch, but it's also not a light lunch. If you say you didn't finish it, I maybe lean towards lighter, but that's not really the argument here. I think what a lot of people get confused with is if you go to your local mom and pop shop, a 12 inch sub is going to be stuffed. It's going to be, you know, this big around. Um, this is Subway, you know, they kind of skimp you. Um, so yeah, I, w- I would say it's not a light lunch, but it's not a heavy lunch, heavy lunch, but you definitely are incorrect in saying it's a light lunch. Okay. Lightish, lightish. Let me get to my gripe and then we can dive into the rest of the questions. There was some serious uh, Mike Florio slander on the show this week, which I know you probably don't even know who that is, but I take that very personally. I'm a big Florio guy. I listen to usually both his shows five days a week. He's got multiple podcasts. He is a nerd and a dork, but that's what makes him likable. Um, He's self-deprecating. He's self-aware. He is a total clown and does things, but that's that's his charm. Kind of like, I can't really put it into words, but there was some serious Florio slander and He's actually a good journalist. He's a he's an inspiration for my journalism. He doesn't carry water for the NFL like a lot of these other hacks do. He asks hard questions. So I actually would like an apology for that from Kirk if um if he can find it in his heart. You're right. I don't know him. Um, but I remember when he did open the the he did the morning show before while they roll off and the the stink about that when he was at EEI. What about then um, the way Kirk sort of subtly tried to cancel Howard Stern, or not cancel, but he really tried to get some of the stuff that Stern's done out there. It's an interesting kind of uh, relationship, you know. Kirk uh, uh, Stern was Kirk's hero. Now it's sort of the wheels kind of turned and I think Kirk probably doesn't respect Stern as much. And then he, you know, tries to cancel him. I mean, Kirk would not say I'm trying to cancel Stern, but he was hoping at least something he put up there on the show or in his Twitter got traction, but it didn't. I hear your point. I mean, that clip was all over Twitter. So I think he was just kind of doing it to prove a point, but I got no problem with it. Really? I, Kirk obviously has a very emotional attachment to Howard Stern. He grew up with him. Um, there is, you know, many years of connection there. I, I, when when someone you really like like that turns on you, it can be tough. And luckily, um, been able to stick his head in the sand and ignore uh, how obnoxious and insufferable Bruce Springsteen has become. Because if he lost Howard and Bruce, I don't know what would happen. Yeah, well, you know, he's lost the Sopranos, so he could lose anybody at this point. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what about that congressman? Sorry, just going back to Steve, oh. Mark Judson. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, especially towards the end of the call when Judson was just throwing out these wild statements, I was like, I so wished Steve had been there because oh. those two were like, Polar, like they're very similar, Judson and Steve, but on the opposite side of the fence. Like those two, if you put them in a debate, it would go on for hours. Oh, Steve would just belittle him. He would be laughing at him. You can't compare them. Steve is actually smart. Um, that guy is just like, he's got a couple screws loose. I, they are polar opposites in their views, but 
I mean, that guy couldn't even really explain his views. Uh, he reminded me of, um, what was his name? Jonathan Soroff. You know, every now and then you get one of these guests that comes out of nowhere and it's just like a, a hurricane and we'll probably never hear from him again. But, you know, in, in a couple months, someone will say, oh, remember Mark Judson? It'll be like, oh, shit. Yeah, I'm going to go back and listen to that episode. But yeah, he was totally crazy. A really enjoyable listen. I think your your tweet was perfect. Um, I think you're a Raba fan. <laughs> no, um, just I just respect um, Steve's production abilities now that I've I've actually seen what Cullinane can do. And, and one more question I've got for you is: so you know, th- there's a sort of a graph that you know whenever Kirk does a live performance, then he's he needs some time off afterwards. You know, so he does seven shows in seven days. You know, does that mean he needs after that? you know, a week for every show mental time. So it's like we get seven shows, but then we're going to have Kirk away for two months or or seven months. Um, You know, is there a concern there? I mean, I'm concerned as a fan, he'll crash. uh, It'll be McLean's all over again or whatever. And we get those seven shows, but then we don't get him for a long time. Well, I mean, if Dave keeps messing up the tickets and everything, who knows if he'll even make it through a seven day show. Mm. He might be, you know, he, God forbid, but that could go really wrong. Um, I there does seem to be some correlation um, between the live events, and but you never really know. I mean, he does so many live events that I don't I don't know if it's um, directly correlated or if it's a coincidence. But I I do think a seven show tour could be pretty taxing on some relationships. You know, you're. You're kind of bumping elbows with everybody pretty often. I, I would be more worried that he will hate the fans by the end of it than um, hate the show. He'll love me by the end of it. Uh, you know, a week of Kirk and I working together on the open road, you know, you can imagine like the 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 roofs down on his Mercedes, you know, the the hair, the, the wind sort of flowing through our bald heads. Uh, you, you guys can get Kirk, um shooting the get shit matching you could get matching tattoos. Mm. Yeah. So you'd always like, remember that trip. Yeah. And I'll do like pro bono consultation on leadership, podcasting and producing true crime podcasts and hanging in the, yeah. And uh, setting up a microphone for uh, remote shows. To, I mean, that'd be that. the first thing really hard to plug in a USB mic. Um, you know, it's really uh, on the producers for not pushing that agenda. And then, um, you know, he can, on the other hand, I mean, you know, Kirk's insane ability on air. Um, I'm sure he can give me some tips. You know, I know he's a big Mena fan and he listens to a lot of shows. So I know he could give me a lot of tips. I'll never forget, actually, early on when I started doing the, the Aussie Mena fan show, he said, you know, um, you know, it'd be good if Mena's just talked a bit more, like he was a bit more natural. And uh, mm-hmm. so I've taken that on board. Um, I don't know if I've been able to deliver it, but, um, tr- you know, try to use his advice and i'd be happy for him to give me more advice because you know i've got lots of advice for him yeah i mean your kirk impression has gotten pretty good these days i I do imagine the trip would be a time where you guys could kind of just talent swap and kind of just evolve and grow together and you know maybe one day when he's writing his book he has a chapter where he's like that week with mentors you know really gave me some new perspective on life it really changed things for me and and you know, my career would have never been the same without it. Yeah, like the cover page on his book, the autobiography. You know, uh, just just preface this by thanking Manners for everything he's done for me. Yeah. Something simple yeah. like that. 
something simple yeah maybe i like know and those. i know we love small talk so us just shooting the shit and getting yeah. to know each other and stuff um would be a lot of fun it'd be great um moving on to another gripe here i'm not one for jerry callahan podcast talk but when i was on twitter yesterday and i saw a clip of michael montante on jerry callahan show I almost I I couldn't I couldn't process I could not process what I was seeing, let alone knowing that he was in the role auditioning as a producer when he does not even produce his own podcast. John from Scranton produces it. He doesn't know how to add sound. He doesn't know how to edit audio. He can't upload it. He barely gets his podcast off the ground. I had to convince him to get a microphone. He was just doing it, talking into his speakerphone. He holds up a Bluetooth speaker to the to the microphone to play clips. I mean, this has it gotten to the point where Jerry just needs to retire? Because I was looking at his Twitter handle the other day, and there was clips tweeted out, and it's got two likes. And I'm just like, if you've had such a great career, I'm sure he has plenty of money. He's got a couple houses, like. What, what makes him want to keep doing that? Because it's it's almost getting to the point where someone needs to sit him down and just say, this is getting really sad if you have Michael Montante auditioning for your show. I mean, I agree. Firstly, probably Catholic guilt is what keeps him going. Um, and, and then sort of working back, I was surprised as you when I saw Montante on there. Uh, yeah, I, I echo what you think. I mean, he's not a producer. He, you know, babbles shit into a microphone. I will admit, I think, like, Montante, he's entertaining when he's talking about KMS, like I don't care about his other stuff. So I'll listen to bits of him with KMS people and that's about it. Um, I don't think he's a boring bloke, but you're right. He's not a producer. He's got no skills. And um, and I said to Montante, I actually sent him a message that, you know, if you get this job, then you have to delete Montante's well because, I mean, you've said about 50 racist things on that podcast. For one, I mean, then there's the pedophile stuff and all. You know, like if it's taken out of context, you'll be cancelled within a week. So just delete the whole show. Um, so that that was my advice to him. Um, I, I loved it when Jerry made fun of Montante by saying that um, he's fat and overweight and high risk, so he should be getting the vaccine. Um, that was a, a great Jerry moment. Um, so I like that. Uh, yeah, I, look, between you and me and all the listeners and viewers, in the last 24 hours, I've actually reached out to the Jerry Callahan podcast Twitter and said, if you really are stuck for someone to produce, I mean, there's no difference me being in Sydney as there is Carano being in New Hampshire or wherever he lives or Montante being in New Jersey. So it doesn't matter, actually. The difference isn't doesn't make a difference. Like, So I've said yeah. to the Jerry Can, I can help. I don't want to do it permanently, but if he needs help at the moment, uh, I could certainly do it. Um just work out the time that's, difference that's very philanthropic of you i i just don't know i think it might be time to take jerry out behind the barn and just shoot him you know um so racehorse style theory that i actually think i think he should actually move his show to a just a once a week podcast i think the what yeah. he's asking for at the moment is too much i think if we could get a nice tight show for jerry 
maybe say an hour to an hour and a half where we get sort of half an hour of him babbling on getting his opinions out there, maybe a feature interview where he gets a guest on to either argue with or, you know, on an issue of the week and then maybe end with sort of listener questions or something. That would be a mm-hmm. great sort of hour and a half show for Jerry and it would take the pressure out for him. You know, at the moment it feels like he's uh, can't get a producer who's trying to do all these shows and no one's listening. I'm telling you, no one's listening. I, I reckon they're getting under a, a few thousand listeners per episode. Yeah. I mean, didn't he used to be a, a writer for a really long time? Why doesn't he just write a book? You know, he can write a right wing book, sell a couple thousand copies and that'll take up a few years by the, by the time that's done, you know, who knows? he was a columnist for sports illustrated. That's where he, um, um, made his name and I can imagine that was just the best job the height of Sports Illustrated uh, but you know before the internet traveling around the country doing features uh, would have just been an incredible job but and you're right when he talks about that stuff he's got amazing stories he could write yeah you know 10 books on it maybe we have the ultimate um, redemption arc and he hires Steve Robinson to write his book <laughs> they, they hate each other though now <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hey, money talks. Um, do you have any other? Yeah, I have no more gripes. Is there any more questions? We will not be fielding a Ted Sarandis question. But is there anything else? You said Tony Cass, I believe. My, who I believe will be my guest. What's the hate towards um, Ted? Just curious. I just don't like Ted. Um, I get a bad vibe from him. I think I know who's behind the account, and I'm not a fan of that person. And even if it's not that person, I'm just not a fan of Ted. So, all right, uh, so no next Ted. Question. Yeah, uh, Victor, why is Dave more hateable than Steve? Is it only because he's lazy? Uh, well, you go. Why is Dave more hateable? I, I would say. You know, I can't answer this question because to me, Steve wasn't really hateable, but Dave is definitely less hateable. Even as a Raba fan, I admit that Dave is, like we explained earlier in this show, it's kind of everyone's just a little disappointed because their expectations for him were higher than his own expectations are for himself, which is a bad situation to get in. But I really don't hate Dave, Um, even this massive ticket scandal that is like borders on being worse than 9-11 or you know it's definitely worse than Benghazi just it's kind of like um Enron financial scam something terrible but um yeah I can't hate Dave I think I think that's his greatest quality is he's kind of unhateable I can get mad at him but I can't hate him it's like if you I said before but take it one step further you know you go to a park and there's a little disabled kid in the corner and uh, you know, that's sort of how I look at Dave, you know, it's impossible to hate someone like that. Um, he's just, you know, mentally challenged and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel sorry for him. You know, he's probably got wet brain from his mum, who was an alcoholic probably when he was, um, she was pregnant with him. So, you know, yeah. he's starting off behind the eight ball anyway. Um, so you hard to hate him. Laura's sundress. Why are you such a grumpy, foul person? That's to me. No one oh, no one cares about VD. He brings nothing to your spectacular show like that Reddit guy does. So why have the turn on? Uh, Laura's sundress, um, just to clarify, I mean, this has been a handem. So, um, you know, this is a totally mm-hmm. different show. So, um, And why am I such a grumpy, foul person? I'm not sure why. Um, yeah, I can't answer that. Um, 
at all. Um, Tony Cass, why is men such a joyless turd? Also, why does he hate me so much? I guess this feeds on to the last question. I guess I'm grumpy because I'm passionate about the show. I love Kirk. I love the show. And, you know, so many things about it drive me nuts. Um, Tony, I don't really hate you. I just think you're annoying and I would prefer never to talk to you again on a KMS Network show. Tony Cass, who I believe will be my guest next week for episode two, one of my favorite Mina fans. I would say you could um, – That's that tweet kind of describes Tony, and it, it, it describes exactly what I like about Tony. I think he's kind of a snarky asshole – uh, miserable turd, but that's what I love about him. He's the number one reply guy in KMS Twitter. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, so that's all my questions from the listeners. Andy Mayo, I've done the breakdown of my turkey sub. Love to hear your feedback on that one, Mayo. I went for the honey mustard, no offense, but uh, just a bit less calories in the honey mustard. I have a feeling he might have an issue with the carrots on the sandwich, but um we'll see all right before we get to reckies before we get to reckies i'd just like to do a shout out um hopefully you prepared a shout out as well i'd like to shout out addy ray simp on twitter aka pedro neto stan who traveled all the way from new york to freezing cold Wolverhampton, england to watch the wolves crushing defeat to arsenal but he made the journey he made the pilgrimage I don't even know how he's a Wolves fan or who he is or how I know him on Twitter, but there's some KMS connection, so I'd just like to give him a shout-out. I'd also like to shout-out Bob Dylan for providing our intro music and our quote of the day. Menners, any shout-outs? I'd just like to shout-out Kirk Cameron, um, huge fan of his growing up. Love the references in the latest show, so shout-out to Kirk Cameron. Big shout out to Kirk Cameron. Um, okay, Reckies. Um, I just watched a film. Not a big movie guy. I've probably seen less than 20 movies in my too. life. Um, I just watched a film called Old Henry, uh, written and directed by Pazzi Ponsiroli, an Italian fellow, um, starring Timmy Blake Nelson, Scotty Hayes, and Gavin Lewis. And it was phenomenal. I cannot recommend it enough. Yeah, uh, I'll give you a recce. Have you heard of it? No. um, uh, My recce is um, After Party, the new show on Apple TV Plus, um, set in your hometown of LA. Um, Be loving that. Um, I think it's four or five episodes in. So, yeah, I'd recommend After Party. I'll have to um, check that out. And then my last recce, um, available on Netflix, a documentary called Last Breath. I watched it last night. I almost had to stand for the second half of it. It made me so uncomfortable. It's about a deep sea commercial diver um, working on like gas equipment at the bottom of the ocean, like 300 feet deep and things don't go as planned and it is all real footage and it is, um, it is terrifying, but yeah, that's available on Oh, it's good. It's available on Netflix, at least in the U.S. right now. Um, Menners, I'd like to thank you for joining the show. I'd like to thank you for being guest producer. Um, Any last words for the people? No, thanks for having me, VD. Always fun to chat. You and I have a complex relationship. Uh, But, yeah, um, you know, people want to hear your takes on the KMS world. Uh, So I'm glad you invited me on and we could get this out there. 
Yeah, you know, I'm glad um I'm glad that my sister didn't kill my dog while she was high driving a snowblower and I didn't have to cancel. So I'm always here on time. I'm here when you need me. Um, you know, I like to get the ball in my hands and I like to run with it. Um, without any further ado, I say goodbye and we will do the outro song. Thank you. And does it feel good to be back on the network, Menners? I don't care about the network anymore. Wow. All right. Cue the music. Thank you, folks. Motion pictures on my TV screen home away from home living in between but I hear some people have got their dreams I got mine I hear the mountains are Doing fine Morning glory Is on the vine And the dew is falling The ducks are calling Yes, I've got mine all those people, they think they got it made, but I wouldn't buy, sell, borrow, or trade anything I have to be like one of them. I'd rather start all over again Headlines, they just bore me now. I'm deep inside myself, but I'll get out somehow and I'll stand before you and I'll bring a smile. To your eyes, motion pictures.
Bye. Uh -huh. 